and thank you for joining us today. I'm Gretchen Robinson, Marketing Dietitian with Martin Brothers Distributing, and we're so glad you're joining us for this mini-series on equipping senior living facility leaders and dining directors with the knowledge of industry challenges and putting cost control measures into place in order to feed your bottom line. Chef Scott Fadden is joining me today, and we're going to address some areas of waste in the senior living kitchen. And some of you might discover that waste encompasses more than just food thrown away. But before we get into that, Chef, I want to ask you, you know, you've been here at Martin Brothers for how many years? Oh, my gosh, 14 years. That's not possible. It is. I mean, I don't look that old, but hey, it's 14 and they've been great years. Good. Well, what is like your favorite thing about your job? Favorite thing about my job and most interesting is working with people, finding solutions for people, and just that camaraderie of all of us loving the food in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think a lot of us here at Martin Brothers, we like our jobs because we like to actually Mm -hmm. help people on the, in whatever it is that they're exactly. doing. Exactly. It's all about that communication with each other and that camaraderie and, and just getting to know other people's business and what they're doing. And, and it's an education for us, too, mm-hmm. every single day. So that's so, what's fun. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. You have definitely been in a lot of kitchens, whether that's in a restaurant mm-hmm. or in education or in senior living. And since we're people... People kind of do the same habits, and you've probably seen some patterns of habits and behaviors in all of those different kitchens. And so when we think about waste, what are the, like, what we'll go through several, but what, what are the areas of, of waste that you see most commonly? Well, the areas, you know, what we really need to do is look at every kitchen as the same to start with. And there are patterns, but there are great techniques out there that I see also from some communities, some restaurant kitchens. So I like to group it together as in not just healthcare. A kitchen is a kitchen, no matter what. So whether healthcare or restaurant segment that we work in, to even universities, school system, we all have the same challenges. And the top challenge is, of course, controlling our food and labor costs, but more so food. So when we talk about food cost and where we can save from waste, we need to look at what we're doing within those four walls to begin with. A lot of times I get asked, well, it's the price of meat went up. Well, we know that coming in the door. We don't care about that. We already know. So we need to look at our menus and making sure we're buying the right product at the right time. That's number one. Number two is inventory. If we don't know what's within our four walls in inventory, and we don't know what we own, that's pretty funny. We can relate that to personal. We don't know what's in our bank account. Your inventory is your bank account. So we need to know what's on the shelf and what we can use and what we should be using and how we're rotating it in and out. So that's so, so important. And with your menus, again, looking at your inventory, you know, I know the question comes up is I'm changing over from my fall, winter to my spring, summer. And mm-hmm. I've got 1,600 extra cans of beans, which is far from the truth, but they will have an extra case, half a case, whatever. What do we do? Being pro- proactive with your inventory. And we need to look and see what we have before we start making changes. A lot of people will guess what's in there. And we're going to talk about inventory and ordering procedures because that's a biggie too, shooting from the hip. 
So number one, know what you own. Number two, talking about your inventory, let's discuss ordering. A lot of times we'll sit at a computer and we'll place our order. I'm like, oh, we need another case of noodles, of 20 pounds elbow noodles. And like, we know we need it. We, we didn't see it, but we know we need it. We go back into, the, uh, into our storage room after the order comes in and there's already three cases there. Again, do not shoot from the hip when it comes to ordering your product in. Know what you own. I'm going to continue to say that because so many people don't. I will give you one quick funny story, and it wasn't really funny, is I was visiting a location and we were talking about peanut butter. There was a peanut butter recall. But we were going through their inventory, and we took a look around. And I go, oh, you got a lot of peanut butter here in the storeroom. Well, we got more downstairs. <laughs> I go, okay, let's go downstairs. I went downstairs, and sure did have more. Hold it. Let's go into the other storeroom. So they had three storerooms. They probably used uh, five pounds to ten pounds a week at the very most. And they had 16 five-pound containers there. The saddest thing is, is there was probably four containers that were sitting on their shelf that was from the recall, mm. the salmonella recall. Yeah. So again, it's important to know that. Um, another thing to do is our leftovers. What are we doing with our leftovers? A lot of times we think of it as, okay, we'll just use it for our next meal or we'll put it in the freezer, forget about it, in three months we'll throw it in the garbage. <laughs> so know what you're producing. If you are pro overproducing product every day, and this is how you've done it for 37 and a half years, it doesn't make it correct. What we need to do is know what our census is. If we're down, if we used to prepare for 50, and our census today is 40, we are losing about $450-$55 a week to be almost accurate at a six fifty budget equals to only you know, $2,400 a year. You continue to do that through your whole career of working there. And in 10 years, you lost uh, over $23,000. That's just in one category of overproduction. So if we're producing 10 extra, we're producing 20% more than we need to. So I've been in a community that, you know, you, th you think that 10, oh, it's not such a big deal, as you explained, is actually a big deal. It's a huge deal. But you think, like, 10 might be easy to lose track of because maybe you think you're going to have some admissions and you'll mm -hmm. build back up. I've actually been in places where they were overproducing by double mm -hmm. and didn't think anything of the overproduction at all. And you can imagine where the overproduction was going. Yep. But it just that sometimes it might a little bit can seem like, oh, okay, I can adjust for that. But we really need to be paying attention all the time and making Every sure. Day. Yeah. You recipes know, are easy to reproduce and, and print and off. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And Gretchen, you, you pulled up something great there is that, that overproduction or thinking about the census and not reducing or changing our, our uh, recipes. We change our menu every six months. Why aren't we looking at our recipes and our quantities every day? We get our census every morning. I mean, I'm not sure how everybody does, but when Nothing. I was in the field, yeah, every morning, you know, Mrs. Smith, I moved, blah, blah, blah. 
So now you have 136 people instead of 138. Are we going to adjust for those two? Probably not so much. We can lose those two without losing a budget. But when you're talking about smaller numbers, everything is more relevant to the bottom line. Mm -hmm. So our 650 PPD that we can control or whatever you have is now up to 8 or $9 PPD if you're not looking close enough, if you're not paying attention of what your census is. It's just like if you have a customer in a restaurant and let's say it's a slow night and it's a Tuesday night, but every Friday night we make 1,400 hamburgers. Tuesday you make 200. Are you going to pre-cook or start making a whole bunch and you have 200 customers, but you cook 250 hamburgers? Makes no sense. And that's the same thing in the healthcare arena. So we have to make sense of what we're producing, even within our four walls at home. Mm -hmm. You know, we're empty nesters. We no longer cook a side of beef for supper. I had some boys that really could eat. Big eaters. Yeah. Yeah. So that side of beef is gotten now it's a couple hamburgers. (laughs) But at the end of the day, we have to make that adjustment. So, I mean, one of of the things that... uh, a feature that we have in our in our toolkit, so to speak, mm-hmm. is you know we have inventory sheets mm-hmm. and we have tallies where people can keep track of their their meal tracking. Mm-hmm. I don't know that many people actually take the time to do it to actually write down the number of of portions. So talk just briefly about how important it is to keep track of those, to utilize those tools that you have. These two, and and let's talk, we're gonna, we're gonna actually gonna combine that with a waste sheet. Okay. And why we're gonna do that is because now we can use these tools that we create, whether you get them off of our website or a website or you create your own, they're tools that we know we need once we create these tools and utilize them to their full, and there could be simple, writing down what we've wasted or what we've used is an educational tool that is priceless. I even talk about tracking if you have two different choices. So you have the alternate and the regular choice, mm-hmm. and you're saying, oh, we got beef and liver, or we got liver <laughs> for the main choice, and we've got uh, Rubens for the second choice. Now that we're looking at how much we're serving each time, we can start a baseline. And that baseline will say, hey, hold it. Liver probably should be an alternate Mm -hmm. or should be gone, but it's (laughs) up to you guys. Um, But we're seeing that 75 of our good customers that live within our community, that every time it's on the menu, it's given us information, given us cost savings with just writing down a couple of numbers, saving in a file, look back, Four weeks down the line, we're going to look at that and say, ah, we overprepared liver by way too much. We underprepared uh, the, the Reuben that we had. So it's time to make adjustments to our menus. And it's just fine and dandy if you start making them. Just make sure your dietitian or whoever signs off on your menus know about it. Um, but at the end of the day, make your adjustments as you go. Mm -hmm. Track it. Track your waste. I know we haven't touched too much about that because we talk about tossing food. It's okay to toss food if needed. Why are we tossing it? How much are we tossing? And is this a pattern? So if we're used to making 18 pounds of turkey for a meal or 22, whatever the case may be. So let's say we make 20. And every time we make that turkey dinner, we end up having either leftover four pounds or tossing four pounds every time. Mm-hmm. Like, 
What does this tell you? Gretchen, what would that tell you to do? Tells me that something needs to change. What would, yeah. Let's adjust Let's our menus adjust it. or our recipe. Let's take them down. And if we're not adjusting, we're, we're just losing money on purpose because it's, we got the tool there. A lot of times in the restaurant world, we have waste sheets all over. Mm-hmm. You throw that away, we want you to put it on, and why? And everybody thinks, oh, it's a punishment. It's <laughs> not a punishment. It's a tool to know where our money is. Again, we're going to go right back where our inventory is going. Mm-hmm. So it's a tool to know. If our food cost is off in a restaurant by 3 4 5 10%, we can look there like, oh, the pattern is they're throwing that four pounds turkey away every day. Mm-hmm. So then that gives us the tool and resources to say, we need to change there. An- another thing to, to look at would be asking those who are cleaning the dishes, mm-hmm. looking at actual plate waste. Because mm-hmm. I hear, um, oh, they're not going to like tacos, so we need to take the tacos off or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. We make assumptions about what residents will eat instead of offering it to them. Right. And then asking what their plates actually looked like when it when it comes back. Right. So talk about how valuable the just having a conversation with the person doing the dishes is. Yeah, and, and that's one thing we used to, when I worked in Rochester at a healthcare, if that's what we used to do about once a week, someone would stand back there through the whole service in the dish room. It was a larger community. And we just sit there and write down what's coming back and what's seen what's on their plate. Mm-hmm. Okay, we know we have to meet certain nutritional Guidelines, absolutely. So don't take away from that. But maybe you want to make a request to their physicians and saying they could use small portion. Doctor writes an order, small portions. Now those plates are not coming back with more product because we talked before about this. What happens when we overload plates? And we'll talk about that in a minute. But it comes back to the kitchen. We can talk. We can talk about it now. I mean, talk about that now. Yeah. Well, Overloading your plate. Yeah. Let's talk about psychology. <laughs> one hundred and one. Well, I don't know if I go that far with me, but we'll talk about. It. Oh yeah, minus one. When some of our folks that are at the age that they are within our healthcare communities will see a plate come at them and it's loaded. And they can't eat it, and it's something that may even go back to their growing up or they have to eat the food on their plate. Now it's almost a refusal. So that big plate that you're giving them is coming back to the kitchen. What do we do once our, uh, once our folks start losing weight, especially in skilled? What do we do with them? We give them the supplement. And then we <laughs> top that on top of the inexpensive food that we gave them with an inexpensive supplement which I'm saying, of course, as a joke, because we know that cost just keeps on going up. Yeah, I mean, we certainly use, we feed the residents like we like we need to. We feed mm-hmm. them the, the nutrients that, that they need that's suitable to them. And when, you know, when you said, like, the plate is loaded, can be loaded up, for some mm-hmm. people, they need more. Right. For others, as you're saying, they never ate that much at home. Right. And it's so overwhelming that they can't even bring themselves to eat any of it. Any of I it. Know. They'll sit there in front of it and just not want. And I remember when I used to do total assists, and that was, again, 107, eight years ago. <laughs> but you'd sit there, and it was a chore, especially with folks that grew up through the Depression, and we're not going to go into that. But they grew up on limited and rationing and all that, and they weren't going to waste 
anything. Mm-hmm. So when they see that and they know they're going to waste half that plate, they're not going to eat it. They don't want it. So now what we're stuck trying to get them to keep their maintain their weight with, you know, whatever kind of supplement that we give them. So, yeah, sure. So um, and portion control too. We yeah, that's what I was. Ta- that's oh, what I was, I was. It's like you read my on, mind. Oh my gosh! I was just going to ask you about about portion control. So for, I have to tell you a story first. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume mm-hmm. that most people in a kitchen know how to use a disher. They're actually not surprisingly called scoops. We call them scoops, but yep. um, to me. It makes sense that you, you know, with mashed potatoes, you take the mashed potato and then you scoop it and you scrape it across so that you get a flat edge. And then I go into places and I see people that are holding it up like it's a soup ladle (laughs) and and using it that way. Tell us about the waste involved in just a heaping disher versus. Just think about, okay. First of all, it's, you know, again, we can't lecture this unless we educate you a little bit about a scooper. <laughs> Do we know, we can put pretty handles on it. They all mean something, whether it's a number eight, number 12, number six, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's number one, so know your scoops. That we, you know, there's charts. Mm-hmm. All the companies that make scoops has their own charts. So get a chart and take a look. What does it mean when, when a dietitian is going through your menu and said, you need a number six? Do you need a number six? It's the law for skilled, or it is what they need for the nutritional, for the nutritionals. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, what do the numbers mean on the scoops? They're just not there just because, hey, yellow is number whatever, and green is number eight, and et cetera, et cetera. They're there for a reason. Each number represents how many fluid ounces to a quart. So if you see a number eight scoop, that's a four-ounce scoop, correct? Yeah. Correct. Had to think about that one. (laughs) Um, So eight of those level scoops will fill up a quart. So just remember, that's what those numbers are. So we'll start there. Let's talk about over-portioning, which can destroy a kitchen and we're going to utilize this for every kitchen, not just healthcare. Mm-hmm. So one quick story, ran a steakhouse, 1,100 customers on a Saturday night. Number one product that was served was prime rib, mm. 30 full prime ribs, not 30 that's pieces. A that's a lot. Yes. That would sit there. If my kitchen line got off by two ounces throughout the whole night, that equals to hundreds and hundreds of dollars of food. So we need to know what our portions are. We need to know what we're serving. And we may even need to set up a scale there to do some spot checking, we'll use that word. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this happen at one community I was working with. They were cutting ham and it was only for 70 to 80 people. And it called for three ounce edible portion. So they're using boneless ham. It's all edible. Mm -hmm. Every single piece I lifted and weighed weighed a minimum of 4.5 ounces. Average was about five. That is a 40% overproduction off their budget. Again, portioning is so important. Scooping to the level is so important because we can take a number eight, we can take a number six scoop and over portion, mm-hmm. and you're going to end up with two, three more ounces than you ne- that you need to serve. So that's going to add up. Why is it important to become or stay in budget? 
or why is it important to follow uh, recipes, menus, and scoop sizes, portion sizes? Anybody? I mean, this is an everybody. <laughs> this is an everybody's kitchen, not mm-hmm. just healthcare. Yeah. Why do we do that? Oh, to you want know, me to answer? To to yeah. actually stay in line. Those those things uh, with our budget. Those are the things that we've are. accounted for. Yeah, and we're you know everybody else. Well, healthcare is this way, and a restaurant is no. They all have a budget of what they're pricing things at, mm-hmm. so they know what that recipe should cost to produce, and how many portions, and et cetera, et cetera. And if they're not up to that standard, they're losing money no matter if it's health care, restaurant, hospitals, prison system, college, it doesn't matter. They're there for a reason. So there's a my my daughter gets upset with one of the restaurants that we go to um, because she'll ask for extra cheese or uh-huh. extra meat and they use portion controls. Uh-huh. So when she gets her extra piece, it's a scoop of it's a or it's a ladle the yep. a predetermined amount just like that's all i mean there isn't that oh well i like you or you asked nicely yep. so i'm going to give you more but that does happen um, in other places it does and what do we call that i think sweethearting sweethearting <laughs> so this is a discussion we had and it's funny because um in a restaurant world and i compare everything back and forth to a kitchen as a kitchen a server may sweetheart you, meaning they think they're being nice to you and they're giving you extra portions of this and that, where the restaurant has certain standards of what they're giving for a portion or charging for, like the free coffee shouldn't be free. Um, it's all in their budget. Mm-hmm. The sweethearting, when people do that, they think they're doing a good thing. Yeah. And they're really not. They're doing a disservice to themselves and the company. So let's go to the restaurant world. I know we're talking about healthcare. If you're a server and you give me, you know, we order coffee at the end of the meal, like two cups and three cups, whoever we're with, and you don't put it on my bill, oh, that's okay. You're not doing yourself any good because I tip on percentages. Mm-hmm. You just lost that percent off there. And if you do it to me too much and I go to the same restaurant, I'm not going to be happy with you. Because you are taken away from that restaurant. Same thing in healthcare. You don't overdo it. You don't say, well, Mr. Smith is here and I like him. Well, okay. Yeah, it can be, be a, a good customer service to them. Mm-hmm. It can a be a steward. form of, of theft in a, in a way. It is a theft. Yes, we just don't it's 100% look theft. at it because we haven't. We don't always call it exactly. You know, so what it yeah, is. and we can talk about. I know you guys are talking about theft and yep. all that in another segment, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it, within the real world of food, theft goes on all the time, whether it's, it's mindful or accidental, and, and people just don't realize it. Yeah. I want to ask you one more thing sure. before we go. So, you know, you've, you've hit on your points about inventory leftovers mm-hmm. and portion control and all of the different ways that that mm. impacts our bottom line. But what are some things about... Um, or what are things that would be non-negotiables that have to be done? Have to be, and everybody knows that knows me knows one of them. Um, of course, we talked about earlier, know what you own, know your inventory. My biggest one, and I am really relentless when it comes to this, mm-hmm. train, train, retrain, and train again. What we talked about, you asked me that question at the beginning is, what I like about my job, I get to learn every day. 
I like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we get really stale within our jobs and we go to work, we're mechanical. Um, I always educate managers to walk in their building or walk into their community in different doors. And they go, oh, why? You'll see something that your guests see if you do it that way. Otherwise, you may never see that cobweb coming in right there, coming mm-hmm. right down the doorway. Understand that you have to make those changes. You have to train. You have to retrain. You cannot let people get um, complacent. We'll use that word. Um, and even though that we're experts, sometimes we get things in our head that we're doing what we think, hey, let's try it this way. And two years down the line, we just realize that we just doing it wrong and we're losing the company money. So train and retrain, no matter what it is, train on hand washing. I used to do in a restaurant world, I used to do every six months, everybody had to sign off on mm-hmm. washing their hands and we used to do two to five minute meetings in between each shift. That could have been a meeting. Okay, tonight's special is, and it's really good, not the liver. Um, but today we're going to wash our hands. You're going to each one, and then we'll have you sign off that you know how to wash your hands. Or we're going to talk about product, or we're going to talk about uh, diets, or we're mm-hmm. going to talk about gluten free. So. It's just something a continued trend. We don't need to bore our employees with saying, here, read this and do this task. <laughs> we need to have them be a part of and, and edu- educate them daily and keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. When people don't keep it fresh, things change, and so do attitudes. Thanks, Jeff. I, I think that um, you know we've, we've learned a lot about just some reminders mm-hmm. to go back kind of to the to the basics, mm-hmm. so to speak. And that retraining, sometimes people were not trained correctly the first time, really can make an impact on wasting less. So I want to thank you for your time today. And Absolutely. It's always we'll, my pleasure. And we can yeah. talk about another topic next time. Another next time. time. Yes. Thank exactly. you. Thank you. Be sure to join us again as we explore what's feeding your bottom line. 